Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you um, go up against a defense that looks as sound as, as Duke's defense looks, mm-hmm. um, what, where do you go? Like, it doesn't, doesn't seem like they have any obvious weaknesses. How do you approach them? Yeah, well, um, I've been with, I was with Coach Fuller at uh, Chattanooga, who actually is a descendant of that Elko type of defense, the, the 4 2 5, very sound. But, no, nah, man, this is what we expect college football defenses to look like. I mean, you know, when you play against. Good DCs and, and good players who, who tackle well and run to the ball and know how to leverage the ball and understand contain and things of that sort. That's what it I mean should look like, you know. And we, and, you know, Duke gets a lot of credit for that because of the head coach and and, and, and the coordinators and the position coaches in that on the defense. But um, I mean, we've seen some good sound defenses here, you know, other than Duke. But Duke is actually, you know, the top in every category. So. I mean, we got to be on point and make sure we're not making mistakes. I mean, they keep everything in front of them. They tackle well. They're not giving up a lot of big plays. So, I mean, those are the things that come to mind as we're preparing for it and we're just kind of starting that preparation. Jack. Talk about the red zone for them. They have the second best red zone defense in the country. You guys have the eighth best red zone offense in the country. I guess mm-hmm. what kind of a, a battle, what kind of situation are you preparing for for that game when it comes into the red zone? Well, it goes hand in hand. Like, you know, Referring back to our last game, where that was the first time we actually did get stopped in the red zone, we thought they had a good plan for us, so we got to build off that and make sure we have answers for what was shown in that game. But I mean, you know, it's, it goes back to them being top in non-red zone. I mean, when you're a good defense, you're going to be good in pretty much all those categories. Um, we got to make sure we convert points. We got to make sure we finding ways to to create extra gaps. Most defenses start pressuring a little bit more in the red zone, but. You know, with them, I think it just goes back to tackling and keeping things in front of them and, and, and capitalizing on opportunities. I mean, they've, they've actually created a lot of turnovers in the red zone, too, which is kind of, you know, up that percentage of, of stops and non-touchdowns. So we got to go back to doing our job protecting the football. Um, if we do have a long drive because they're not giving up big plays, so usually it takes 10 to 12 drives to get down there, and they're rotating guys. they got a good, you know, mixture of 8 to 10 guys they play a D-line. So they're probably a little fresher, and some of those guys have been out there for 14 plays, so we got to lock in and be able to execute in the red zone. All that takes a part of it, so not only just the plan, but the execution of the plan. Coach Neville mentioned you guys had a few misassignments on offense, mm-hmm. um, had a few drives stall out in enemy territory. Um, what, um, how much do you guys harp on this week, even though like, you, know, you guys scored 41 points, but how do you guys keep the players, like, you know, focused on the miscues instead of like just celebrating success like how do you do that balance the result I mean of course this is a result-based business but we, we try to harp on being process-based of are you playing your best and are you executed at a high level are you doing the best you absolutely can do 
And um, when I came into the offensive meeting, you know, we meet as an offense after the game, and, and, and we, we pointed out every missed assignment by position group, and we did a total amount just to show that, you know, even, you know, not even talk about the score or the result or the yardage, but are we executing what we're asked to be executed? And that's what creates the competition within the room. We got, like, we got some good players, and we got players making mistakes. We got, you know, other people that won't. So it's just more challenging the room to understand that we can't make those mistakes because, you know, they'll hurt you in, in close games and no matter the circumstance. But I don't feel like if we, we, can, we can't make those kind of mistakes anymore and expect to have any kind of success. So the message was clear. They understood it. You know, I, they, when I walked in, they, they knew it was kind of trending in that vibe because a lot of our guys, they watch the film before we even go in there. So, you know, that's the good thing about the culture of the room is they, they know the mistakes when they come. It's when you walk in, they kind of look, look at you and it gets quiet when you walk in. They understand that we didn't reach the internal expectation that we have and we got to do a better job of it. You talked before about maybe not being surprised when you see some guys perform on Saturdays based on what you see at practice. Was mm -hmm. there anything about Hakeem's touchdown run that was or catch uh, and run after that was surprising to you, speed or anything like that? No, I mean, Hakeem's confidence has been growing. I mean, it's that natural, you know, <laughs> recruiting and everything is so accelerated now where everybody looks for these young guys so early, man. But, I mean, they got to they gotta go through it a little bit. And I think as he's, as he's improved his conditioning, um, his confidence, his understanding of the offense, he's really, really accelerated where now he can showcase his ability. But, you know, you, you, can't, you can't be a good player to, number one, you're not tired. That's the, when you're fatigued, nobody's good. And also, you're always a step slower when you're thinking and processing information. So as a young, talented player, we all know what he can do. As he's starting to come out of that process of, okay, now I know what to do. Now I'm not as tired. Now I can showcase myself. So now I wasn't surprised. I mean, we've seen Hakeem make a bunch of plays in practice, and he's been progressing. So I was just glad you know, he, he's getting to showcase his ability and, and play confident, and hopefully that he builds upon that as we keep going. And, and then, like you said, that creates more competition in the room. Coach Dremel talked about kind of how, how the offensive line he thought did a really good job of, of limiting negatives against the defense in Syracuse that had created a lot of them coming into that game. I guess mm -hmm. you've been down, I think, three guys have missed stretches of the season. You're mm -hmm. rotating in and out. I guess how, how proud are you of just how your unit has kind of handled that and kept rolling on a week-by-week -week basis? Well, I'm proud because they, you know, I make it really, really tough for them. And it's not a lot of positive moments from day to day because when you coach that position there's always a mistake that can be made out of you know you got to go five for five um and they've embraced that they you know i got up there this morning we meet in the morning at seven and i saw them. they were already in the film room they were already studying um challenging each other i put, I put out a big challenge for them last night um but it's really them understanding that you know it, it, it's not an individual I mean, whoever's in there in that unit in that room has to perform and we have to build that continuity. So it's not like I'm rotating on Saturdays like I've been rotating on spring camp. It's nothing uniquely for us um, because I also don't want to have players that can help us play in a game sitting on the sideline waiting for a mishap to happen. So by doing that, as these mishaps has happened, we've had a couple guys that were kind of banged up here and banged up there. It was not like it was a large beat missed. You know, and now, you know, some of the guys are making, you know, they're still going to make mistakes. You're still going to, I mean, of course, I want to, I don't want to give them no pressures, no sacks. I don't want no tackle for loss. You're going to have those deals. But I, I, I'm glad that it's not because of us rotating guys. It's the, it's the mistakes you're going to have, whether you leave, they leave them out there or not have them out there. So I've been proud of them taking the challenge and, and accepting it and, and showing that, you know, it, it can be done if we're, if we're handling business. 
as you said, you know, there's going to be a lot of talk about the from a coaching standpoint uh, what Duke does defensively, <clears throat> but from a personnel standpoint, like how stout is their defensive line? Um, what challenges they present physically? Yeah, I think there's a multitude because of the the individual performances. Like, and I'm talking numbers and not necessarily names. Like five, he's a big. Big, thick, you know, he can hold, he's big man, he can attack the guards, he can get off blocks well. They do a good job of creating ways to find, contain, whether it be the, the double twist and things of that sort. You got 90 who plays inside and outside. You know, I seen him, you know, against Notre Dame, he was playing outside, he was playing inside. He attacks blocks, got a little twitch about him. And then the backups come in, 16, who I think is going to be a really good player. I'm surprised, I mean, he, he's shown a lot, he's shown up on film a lot because his twitchiness and things of that sort. And I mean, then 96, I mean, he, like, they have enough where there's no lot of Drop off very similar. You talk about rotating line. I think their D line is really good. Um, I think they, man, they, they, they do a good job up there. I mean, I, I've known Jess for a minute, so I just think they do a good job of what you want to see in coaching is they get the most out of the talent that they have, and you don't see them make a lot of mistakes. And that is what, like, and, and then, you know, I, I don't want to say that as because they're talented individuals and they're just maximizing them and not putting them in bad situations. And they're allowed to play fast because they totally understand what they're being asked to do and they know how to attack you. So it's going to be a real challenge. I mean, you know, as far as we got to make sure we're not making mistakes, we're not getting in those, you know, because they want to have fun on third down. They got a very detailed, exclusive third down package. So we got to be on point and staying on schedule and making sure we find a way to create some big plays. You know, Trey had those two home runs against Virginia Tech. It mm -hmm. seemed like Lawrence might have had a kind of similar opportunity, and he capitalized on his. Like, what's what's the art and the science on those runs for you guys without getting too maybe you know behind the the scenes on things? But is it you guys just executing well, or are you guys setting things up to where those outside runs just seem to be hitting at the right time? Yeah, once you get to game five and six in the run game, I mean, it's pretty much known what we're gonna do. Um, you know, there's not like a more secret deal. We gotta. We got to execute at a high level, and then once they get those opportunities, because we're not we're not giving out, you know, our backs don't have 30 carries a game and this such. So when they get the opportunity to break the line of scrimmage and get to the second level, our guys are thinking to try to go score. I mean, they're they're really focused on trying to get the most out of their opportunity, um, because it is a it's, it's a deep room. We don't count, you know, situations where oh this guy only got this many, this guy got many. We rotate them pretty good, just like we do it at most positions. So we're, we're and they got to. I think their mindset is they're trying to get as much as they can based upon their opportunities. Now, the coaching part of it is not to press. You know, when you have a little bit of limited opportunity, sometimes you tend to look for a little bit more that isn't there. And I think early in the season that was a little bit, but I think now that we've settled in, we're, we're, we're understanding what the line does well, what their vision seeing, taking opportunities of what the defense is kind of giving up, it's starting to, starting to go like we talked, like, like I talked about earlier, whereas it's going to start getting better as we go, and that's what we want. And I think that's what, just what we're seeing is we're coaching it better, they're seeing it better, they're executing it better, and we're just putting them in better situations. Kind of following up on that, maybe that was a microcosm for this. It seems like the offensive line and the run game numbers get better progressively as the game goes on mm -hmm. for you guys consistently for most weeks. Is that by design? Is there anything that I guess is happening there to kind of reflect those numbers? No, it's just body blows, man. The run game is, is like taking body blows in boxing, man. You got to keep hitting it, keep, keep wearing it, and eventually it'll soften up so you can get some the bigger plays to come. So you got to be patient with it. 
Um, not many times, if, you, if you're just coming out there and you're gashing in the run game early, there's usually a talent or a scheme mismatch where, you know, you know those guys, they, they, know how to, they know what we're coming with, they know how to stop us. So it's just more of continuing to keep swinging, keep swinging, and eventually that thing open up for you. And also our players getting that comfort level of, all right, I seen how he reacted to this. Okay, I set that block. Ah, I stuck it too early. Let me get back vertical on that. You start to get the those conversations on the sideline of, all right, man, you know, coach, I went to the three technique. He played it tight. This time I'm going to go and go inside, so I'm going to tell LT. You know what I mean? You start seeing those guys really holding each other accountable and, and getting the pictures of it. So I like that about the run game because in the end, I want the run game to be dominant in the third and fourth quarter as we get through the half. And I think that gives you a best chance to – because if you get up by a lot and you can't run the ball, they'll be back. You mentioned the uh, miss assignments. There's also a few drop passes in pretty big situations. Mm -hmm. um, when those when those happen, uh, how do the guys, uh, specifically about that game, like how do those guys handle it? Do they come to you or Jordan afterwards and, and try to take accountability? How, and what's the key to not having that happen? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to just single out the drop pass, but just critical situations where, for example, um, the last two games, the drive before the halves, ended in some kind of sack or sack fumble. That was from Virginia Tech and Syracuse, the end of the half two-minute draft. Uh, the red zone deals, we had two low snaps in the red zone. Um, the drop came in the red zone. Third downs, like, I think the more frustration is because our guys understand what we're capable of, so that, that expectation, the standard is so high that you do see some frustrating moments, which I like, because you see the player-to-player -player accountability. Now, my job is to coach is to control the the, 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 the the high level emotion because our players are competitive. They, they understand that there's somebody right behind them that's just as close. So you, you see those high competitive emotional reactions, which is still a good thing because they're, they, they're showing that they know what we can do. They've seen it. We've executed at a high level. So the frustration comes from, and what are we like? What are we doing? Like we, we, this is easy to us. And, um, and once they calm down, I like the response from it, but we got, we're just, it's just growing in those situations and, and, I'm, we're starting to see those minimized a little bit more than we've had in the past, so I'm, I'm excited about that. But I like the, the ownership and accountability they have for the expectation of playing their best, especially in critical situations. We've got to do a better job.